Welcome to the Open House podcast site, available at openhousecommunity.com.au. Welcome to the Open House podcast site, available at openhousecommunity.com.au. In our Human Condition segment, we're tonight wrapping up our series of conversations on something common to every one of us, I think, that's conflict. And this has been a really helpful journey through and about it all with a fair few revelations about the human conditions and how to deal with conflict. Lynn, welcome back. Thanks for having me. It'll be wonderful to see you live at the (laughs) Open House final 2012 year. I'm sure a lot of people will love to see you there. It'll be a great night. So let's go to conflict. In case some people have missed uh, the last couple of, I think, really valuable conversations, they're up on the podcast page of our website. Take us through what we've covered briefly. Okay. In the last, in the first week, we looked at the function of conflict and discussed how conflict forms a function of survival by helping us to adapt. It also forms a function of personal growth by challenging our perceptions, and it forms a function of helping us to change either personally in our relationships or within organisations. And for example, like changes and divisions in the church often come from conflict, and it's resulted in the gospel spreading all over the world. So conflict isn't necessarily a terribly bad thing. No. And last week we looked at conflict within relationships and we noted that um, a conflict is more than just a disagreement. It's a situation in which both parties you know, perceive that there's a threat. Yep. Um, and conflicts continue to fester when they're ignored. Um, and also we respond to conflicts based on our perceptions of the situation and not necessarily to an objective view of the facts. No. And also that conflicts trigger strong emotions. And if you aren't comfortable with your emotions or you're able to manage them in times of stress, you just won't be able to manage the conflict resolution very well. But also conflict is an opportunity for growth and we should always look at it that way. And uh, if you're not able to, when you're able to resolve conflict in a relationship, it also builds trust and you can feel secure and know that your relationship can survive challenges and disagreements in the future. I've learnt a lot over the last couple of weeks, I must say. So as I said, they're well worth checking on the podcast page of our website. Tonight, where are you taking us? Okay, we're heading into how to resolve conflict. And to do this, I'm going to go into a bit more of a personal um, approach approach this week and see how successful conflict resolution depends on our ability to regulate our stress and our emotions. Yep. So conflict triggers strong emotions and can lead to hurt feelings, to disappointments and to discomfort, of course. And when handled in a really um, unhealthy manner, it causes irreparable rifts and resentments and breakups. And when conflict is resolved in a healthy way, it increases our understanding of one another and builds trust, and it also strengthens our bonds. So if you're out of touch with your feelings or you're so stressed that you can only pay attention to a limited number of emotions, you honestly, you won't be able to understand your own needs. And if you don't understand your needs, you're going to have a hard time communicating with others and staying in touch with what's really troubling you. So, for example, couples who often argue about petty differences, like the way she hangs the towel or hangs the toilet paper, rather than what's really bothering them, um, they usually find that uh, they're just really stressed. And, uh, And so if you're really finding yourself getting irritated by small things, sit back and consider what really might be troubling you underneath. Okay, yes. Um, But the ability to manage and resolve um, uh, successfully 
conflict, it depends on your ability to manage stress while remaining alert and calm and to control your emotions and behavior at the same time. Um, So when you're in control of your behavior, you can actually communicate your needs without threatening or frightening or punishing other people. Um, And also to be able to pay attention to the feelings that other people are are expressing is another really helpful thing. Which is the gift of being able to look beyond yourself. Yeah, yeah. So, and also to do this, you really need to learn and practice two core skills. Okay. Yes. One is the ability to quickly reduce stress in the moment, and two, the ability to remain comfortable enough with your emotions to react in a constructive way, even in the middle of an argument. Okay, so this is about conflict resolution skills. I'd love you to identify and give us some tips on on adapting to and adopting conflict resolution skills. Okay, now the first conflict (laughs) resolution skill is a quick... It's how to have quick stress relief. (laughs) (laughs) I need that now. Yes. Okay. (laughs) Being able to manage and relieve stress in the moment is the key to staying really balanced and focused and in control no matter what challenges you face. Hurry up. Hurry up. (laughs) Now, if you don't know how to stay centered and in control of yourself, you will be overwhelmed in conflict situations. So a driving analogy that describes the three common ways that people respond when they're overwhelmed by stress is foot on the gas. That's like an angry or irritated or agitated stress response. You're heated, you're keyed up, and you're overly emotional. Um, Or foot on the brake. That's like you withdraw or you're depressed um, as as a response to your stress. You shut down and you space out and you show very little energy. Yes. And the third one is your foot on both the gas and the brake. And that's where you're tense and you're frozen and your stress response is you freeze under pressure and you can't do anything. You just look paralysed, like deer in the headlights. Yeah, I'm sure stress just is the worst thing for trying to resolve something calmly. Yeah, it is. It really is. And it it interferes with your ability to resolve conflict by um, limiting how you read other people's nonverbal communication. Um, It also limits your ability to hear what other people are really saying and be aware of your own feelings and also to be in touch with the deep-rooted needs um, that the other people are having. Yes, a couple of times you've mentioned this, an awareness of the non-verbal communication thing. Mm -hmm. So the body language is a very significant thing. So how do we manage then stress in our lives to manage the conflict? Okay. So firstly, decide if stress is a problem for you. You might be so used to being stressed that you're not even aware that you are stressed. Yes, yep. Stress might be a problem in your life if you identify with um, feeling your body tense or tight um, or you're not aware of the movement in your chest or your stomach when you breathe or conflict absorbs all your time and your energy. Yeah. And secondly... um, If you uh, have decided that stress is a problem, you need to practice distancing. This might be through actively writing down what the other person is saying and what feelings they might be having. That's sort of like taking yourself outside of the situation. What we usually do is to recite what we tell them, what we're going to tell them about the bad things that they're doing, and and we go on and on in our head about the situation. Um, But to practice distancing means that you stop and you look at the situation without you in it. So have a conversation either on paper or to yourself out loud that's about how what what they would say about the situation. 
okay. and how they might be feeling. So you concentrate on them, not you. Is that quite a high level skill to? It's a it's much to? it's a very high level skill, but it's actually quite good to practice it yep. um, by sort of writing or um, we call it gestalt in therapy. You jump into the other person's chair and you see it from their perspective. Yeah. Okay. Now Jesus practiced this with most of his conversations. The woman at the well, he reflected on where she was at. Simon, the man who didn't wash his feet, he knew straight away where he was coming from and he drew attention to it. Mm. Mary washed his feet with her and with her perfume and he thought about where she was coming from and he spoke about it in front of others. Um, Peter, when he sliced off the ear of the soldier, Jesus reached out and stuck it back on <laughs> and gently reminded Peter about his keenness to protect but outlined that this was was not to be the time to do that. So all of these situations would have been much more filled with conflict if Jesus um, had taken the approach, a different approach from his own perspective. But he took it about from from their perspective, so they promoted their growth and change. But you don't underestimate the ability on the difficulty and the challenge of being in that other person's shoes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And in order to do that, we really do need to slow down. So the third thing to do if you're stressed is to, to, to slow down. Be mindful and take some time out. Go for a run. Do something that takes you away from the stress. And that means that the energy flow is somewhere different. Um, away from on from the the conflict, yeah. and it's likely to be re- less reactive. Meditation, quiet time with God, prayer, all helps us to direct the energy. Okay. I always think it's time to do a donut moment when you're having these sorts of <laughs> stresses. That, that, I must say, doesn't mean eating donuts. No, no, but no. that might help. Too. No, yes, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So explain that then. Well, that's where you get three areas of strength in your life to connect. So friends, family, partner, your community, work colleagues, and you do something with those three active together. Okay. So that's your first core conflict resolution skill. Mm -hmm. Um, Second one is what? The second core conflict is emotional awareness. Now, emotional awareness is the key to understanding yourself and others. And if you don't know how to how you feel or why you feel that way, you won't be able to communicate effectively or smooth over disagreements. No. So, although you might know your own feelings, no, knowing your own feelings might seem really simple. Many people ignore or try to sedate their strong emotions like anger, or sadness, and fear. But your ability to handle conflict depends on being connected to these feelings. So if you're afraid of strong emotions or you insist on finding solutions that are strictly rational or your ability to face and resolve differences will actually be impaired. So why is it that an emotional awareness is such a key factor in resolving conflict? Well, emotional awareness is a consciousness of your moment-to-moment emotional experience and the ability to manage all of your feelings appropriately is the basis of a communication process that can resolve conflict. Mm. So emotional awareness helps you to understand what's really troubling other people. It helps you understand yourself, including what's troubling you. It helps you to stay motivated until the conflict is resolved. Um, It helps you to communicate and it helps you to attract and influence other people. Yeah. I mentioned before, and I I think this has been an issue, as I said, you've mentioned before, the nonverbal communication playing a big role in conflict resolution 
Take us through that a bit more because I think that's quite a skill to develop as well. Okay. The most important information exchanged during conflicts and arguments is often communicated non-verbally. Yes. And non-verbal communication is conveyed by emotionally driven facial expressions, posture, gesture, pace, tone, and the intensity of your voice. So it might surprise a lot of people that the voice, what we say, is not necessarily... No. The incendiary thing. No. Yeah. Look, when people are upset, their words are, that they use rarely convey the issues and they, and that really you know, doesn't get to the heart of the problem with the yes. words. Yeah. But when we listen for what is felt as well as what is said, we connect more deeply to our own needs and the emotions and to those other people. Yeah. So listening in that way strengthens us and informs us to make it easier for other people to hear us. Yep. So if you're in the middle of a conflict, you've got to pay attention to another person's nonverbal signals and and help them help you to figure out what they're really saying. So looking at, you know, how they're standing, whether their shoulders are slumped, um, just the tone of voice, um, you know, whether there's a you can also just have a reassuring touch. Um, and have some sort of a relaxed or concerned facial expression, that, that goes a long way. I often find too when I'm working with couples to tell them to go and have a really good argument but to actually hold hands while they're doing that. <laughs> good <laughs> it's really luck. quite hard. Yeah, I bet it is. Yes, I bet it is. So speaking of that, laughter and humour can also... You say resolve conflict or help in resolving it. <laughs> yes. Good luck. Look, once stress and emotion are brought into balance, your capacity for joy and pleasure and playfulness is really unleashed. And so joy is a really deceptively powerful resource. If you've got joy in your heart and you can laugh at things, you will find that you just have a fantastic way of managing conflict. You can avoid, avoid a lot of confrontations and resolve arguments by just being very playful and humorous in the and, way you deal with things. And yet, oh great wise one, that's the last time that I want to feel joyful and happy when I'm in the middle of a blue. Yes, yes. Yeah. So it might be as silly as, you know, if you're going to have an argument with your partner, is to put a silly hat on <laughs> and then keep arguing or just do something stupid, um, which makes it it's really easy. hard to... To, to be so serious about what okay. you're doing. Yep. They might not think that you're taking the mickey out of them. Then no, no, but it just might make it a little bit more playful. Okay. All right, let's um, wrap up some final tips for managing and resolving conflict then. Okay. So managing and resolving conflict, it requires your ability to quickly reduce the stress yep. and also bring your emotions into balance. Yes. And you can ensure that the process is as positive as possible by by doing this first of all listen to what's said as as well as what is felt so no, listen to what's felt as well as what's said yes yeah. and when we listen to that we connect more deeply with our own needs and make conflict resolution the priority rather than winning or being right yeah uh Maintaining and strengthening the relationship rather than winning the argument should always be your first priority and be respectful of the other person and their viewpoint. Focus on the present. If you're holding on to the old hurts and resentments and your ability to see the reality of the current situation um, gets blurred by you bringing up something else from the past, forget it. Just stick to what's happening right now. Okay. 
Mm. Pick your battles. Yes, yes. Conflicts can be draining, so it's important to consider whether the issue is really worthy of your time and your energy. Yep. Maybe you really don't want to surrender the parking space if you've been circling for 15 minutes, but if there are dozens of other spots, you may as well just let it go. <laughs> Good advice. Yes. yes. Be willing to forgive. Resolving conflict is impossible if you're unwilling or unable to forgive. I've heard people say, oh, I'm just stubborn, as a, something that's really to be proud of. That doesn't let you off the hook. It doesn't. No. no, it's not something to be proud of if you're stubborn, if it might mean that you just don't forgive. Um, so it lies in the it releasing that urge to punish. Yes. So if you feel like you have to punish or pay back, then, you know, this is this is not a helpful way of, of managing conflict at all. Mm. Um, and also know when to let something go. If you can't come up with an argument, with an agreement, just agree to disagree. It's okay to have differing, differing opinions, yeah. but you don't have to have the same opinion. I think this has been really helpful and really practical, which I'm always pleased about. Thank you so much indeed for this series of conversations on conflict. As said, up on our Open House uh, website tomorrow, the third, this the third in the series. Next week, Lynn, we'll start looking at some disorders. Yes. couple, what kind of things are we looking at? Okay, we're just going to start tapping into some of the things that can go wrong with our personality and our psychology. Um, and so we'll start with looking at some of the anxieties and depressions um, and looking at some of the things that might be regarded as a disorder like obsessive compulsive disorder, um, some hoarding disorders and a few things there. And so we can hopefully learn ways of respectfully managing some of those things Look with forward friends. To it, as always. Lynn Worsley, thank you so much. See thank you there. Thank you for having me. Bye. We hope you enjoyed this Open House podcast. Thanks to Christian Super and Real World Technology Solutions. To hear more from Open House, visit openhousecommunity.com.au. We hope you enjoyed this Open House podcast. Thanks to Christian Super and Real World Technology Solutions. To hear more from Open House, visit openhousecommunity.com.au.